nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s. What a bunch of sappy crap. It's the Sappy Crap Podcast. Starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Oh, welcome to the Sappy Crap Podcast, where the names are changed, but the stories are real. I'm Jarman. I'm Steve. That's right. The stories are real, or at least how we took notes in our playbook, but now it's all smudgy. Because <laughs> it got sweaty. Yeah. Yeah, I got sweaty, <laughs> and then I had to cross it out and rewrite blocking a few times. Yeah, that's what happens in those little tiny books, you know, right in your back that's pocket. R- <laughs> that's right. But what are we talking about this week, Jerm? Oh, we are talking about being a theater kid and what that yeah. means to us. That's right. Theater made up a big, a large portion of Jarman and I's high school careers. And while we've talked about it peripherally through other things, like we talked a little bit about it during the teacher episode, and I think during like the the, the, the perf- like reality versus expectations episode, we've talked about it all over the place, but we've never actually talked about the subject. Yeah, we couldn't believe we didn't make an episode just for this yet. It's pretty crazy. What it meant to be a theater kid. Yeah. And so here, here we go. So I asked German, I always try to start with like a prep question to get our brains rolling. And so German, my question to you is, what was... Y- what to this day is your worst theater audition? Oh, man. I <laughs> luckily for me, it wasn't when I was more vulnerable emotionally in, in like high school. I didn't do any theater in middle school. So it was actually an audition I did for um, going to a either grad school or undergrad for um, I auditioned to go to a college for acting. And I did it both times. Undergrad didn't get in. Uh, graduate school didn't get in. Um and I think I might have told the story of the podcast before on a different episode for other reasons. I'm not sure. But uh, for some reason, I went to go audition for NYU, the Tisch School of Acting, which is, you know, the best there is out there. Uh, the, that's up there. Yeah. One of the best there is. And for some reason, I chose the song for my singing audition. Um, I am I, Don Quixote, the man of La Mancha. <laughs> so I'm good. Mean, Age appropriate. Oh, yeah. (laughs) An 18 year old um, going out there singing this song that's sung by like a 55 year old man or older. Um, And so I wasn't singing it the best. And but it was in my range because it's hard to find bass songs that are good for people. It was an 18 year old. And I was a bass as an 18 year old. So it's kind of hard. Yeah. So many like lead songs from shows are tenors and super tenors. tenors. Yeah. And all especially the songs around that time starting in the 90s to till now. Most of the leads uh, are are you know tenors um but anyways i sang this song but i was super nervous the audition i went with my mom uh to this we stayed in a hotel in new york uh to go audition there and i refused to, to practice it in front of her because i was too nervous to do it in front of my mom by herself because like being in front of an audience is different than being in front of just your mom but so i go to the bathroom right before the audition and i just had to go pee and i didn't realize i didn't shake enough before i put it back in the pants and a little pee got in the underwear, but also made a little little spot on my pants. <laughs> and so I noticed at, before I go into the audition that there's a pee spot on my pants and I'm singing this song that I shouldn't be singing. And I went in there and probably did the worst audition of my life and definitely didn't get in. They're like, thank you for your time. And I just I, it's just left sad. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so that was probably my worst audition ever. What about you, Steve? Uh the one I look back on the most with like the most face palming was my first audition ever mm. in high school. And so I had played like a few weeks of freshman football before I just decided I hated it. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. Right. Exactly. Everyone <laughs> forgot about it. Um, 
And so all of a sudden I was going to audition for this show that I had no prep for because I didn't know what to do. Like, I was like, I'm not doing freshman football. I got to fill this time. So I auditioned for the show and I didn't know what the show was. I had never seen, like I'd seen like a few plays, but there weren't vast online internet resources. No. <laughs> at the time, like the way they are now. And so I did something I knew I could do. And so I did the holy hand grenade monologue <laughs> from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Wonderful. For my audition for like a dramatic play rebel without a cause. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Right. And much to my surprise, I got a call back. <laughs> uh, and that started the trend of me playing older gruff gentlemen because <laughs> I was tall enough. That was that yes. literally, that was the beginning of that trend. And I, I've been recently uh, judging, uh, junior thespians, which is because my girlfriend's a, a middle school drama teacher. So I get paid to go judge uh, middle schoolers when they perform their thespian scenes for us. Uh, thespians this is an honor society type thing for drama where you can you compete at festivals and stuff with scenes and something like that. And I can tell you, it's also probably the teacher, Mr. Haskett at the time, probably saw you and was like, oh, he's a guy. He's not terrible. Let's get him in the play because there's so few guys that do anything in theater. <laughs> it's just That's nothing. right. This is also at a time when, you know, being openly gay was still not really a thing very often. We had like one or two openly gay kids in our school. Um, oh, yeah. And so very few. I think just now that's kind of helped that this less it, more people can be open and just open with their things that people would call gay and stuff like that, like a boy being interested in theater. Right. Um, it's more acceptable, especially with things like I hate saying this, but things like Glee. Yeah, absolutely. And the popularity that that is that has destigmatized performing arts. So not only were more gay boys allowed to, you know, go do theater, but also some straight guys were feeling more open to doing theater nowadays than back then. So there was even fewer guys in theater oh, at yeah. the time. So there was now. So Steve and I had it pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was Slim Pickens. <laughs> yeah, that's a good actor, Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. Uh, See, so yeah, that was my worst. My worst audition was my first my first real one. Oh, man. But you still got it. So that's pretty good. I did. <laughs> uh, and then another one I think of, I look back on, and that was my, I, I think I talked about this, last, but Theater Puget Sound, which is a big consortium of of theaters, did mass auditions in Seattle. And I went in and just, and just like you, I auditioned age inappropriate, but it's because it's what I knew how to do. Right. From having played all these age inappropriate roles in high school and in in college it's true that's the thing they, they, they screw up with that in high school because you just like there's no other choice they have to cast the kids so they don't have the choice you play i played dads and stuff too um but yeah because the lower voice thing and you know you being big and just it was miscast when we're actually adults doesn't work <laughs> it's funny uh well that actually kind of segues into my ne next one nicely uh let's talk about what were what were your biggest like role letdowns Role letdowns. Like, like roles that you were sure you should have gotten. Oh. Um, and you didn't. I don't remember too much of that in high school. We did this thing in that Steve will know in chorus where we did Night on Broadway. So it was this thing where basically our chorus teacher did a kind of a theatrical concert version of a bunch of songs. Like a from, review. A review of songs from musicals. Yeah. So it was still acting involved. And I don't remember exactly which ones, but over the, the years we did that, I remember several ones being like, I should have gotten that one. And I'm, I wasn't as good of a singer as some of these guys, but I knew I could act the song a hell of a lot better than they could. So that kind of oh, pissed yeah. me off. But the biggest one, for some reason, that stuck with me the longest was in college. 
they did the music man and this guy who I couldn't stand for some reason. He was like my foil, my he uh, and he he got the role of of what's his face from Music Man. I'm forgetting his name now. The main character. Uh, yeah. God damn. He's it. got an interesting name, or I, I can't remember it now. For some reason. Not Hen- is it Henry Higgins. Yeah, Henry. Right no, Henry all. Higgins is, is the. Right? Uh, all right, that's right. He's the Rain in Spain guy. That's the other play. Yeah, Henry. No, okay, that's not right. That's my fair lady. Yeah, <laughs> but it's oh, God. it's very similar in feel. But like, I just I thought I rocked that audition. I thought it really well. And then the, this guy who I couldn't stand, who was really pretentious. He ended up getting the role, and he's not that great of a singer even, but he actually might have been a better actor than me uh, if I, I could look back on that now with maturity and realize he could act better, but I definitely was a better singer than he was, so I was pissed. But even that part, it's more talk singing, so it didn't really need to be a great singer. So looking back now, I realize why he got it, but I'm still angry about it to this day. What about you? <laughs> That's fair. Uh, for me, the ones that come to mind immediately from like our high school time was Oklahoma. I think that everyone thought that I was going to be Judd. Oh yeah, that's like, right. Including me because you were you were the shoe in for Curly. Like mm. I don't think there's anyone that thought you weren't going to be Curly. <laughs> that worked out well. Cuz like everyone knew you'd be pre- been preparing for it. You had the right look, you were the actor. Mm. Like you you had prepped the living hell out of it. So like I think everyone kind of knew. Um and so I think everyone assumed I was going to be Judd. Yeah. To play opposite you, because a we were best friends, we spent a ton of time together. We were both the theater kids, and then it went to a buddy of ours, David, and he did ultimately a really good job. and And I don't think I could have played the role as serious as he ended up playing it. And that's ultimately what makes it work, right? In juxtaposition to this very flamboyant, over the top musical that's happening around it, Judd's <laughs> like a very bad dude. <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> and so David carried that off, I think, in a way that I don't think I could have. But at the time, of course, I didn't see it that way. Yeah, and I think I I think they pull that out of him too because this he wasn't an actor at all. He was a singer, and he's a very good classical singer. Um, he had like he had perfect pitch and all this stuff, and he. But he looked kind of similar to me. And so, yeah, I kind of felt like it made more sense for it to be me and you because it would have been this like opposing guys, you know, um, and, and I think that would have stretched you as an actor at the time too, to, to not be doing just an over the top part. You would have been having to tone it down a bit and be more dark. And what did I end up doing? Being Ali Hackam, the over the top part. <laughs> yeah, which we still talk about to this day because in high school back then they were still doing brownface. And so they had Steve in brownface for Ali yeah, Hackam. <laughs> and I think I talked about this prior episode, but. I, as an actor and performer, didn't have enough opinion or idea of how incorrect it was. Of course, yeah. And I had just a room full of adults telling me it was a good thing. Exactly. That's the problem. Like some adult should have gone, that's really awful. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't no do this. adult did that. Yeah. So 16-year-old Steve went on in brown face and dyed his hair black and spoke with a very stereotypical accent. <laughs> When any adult in the process should have said that's not okay, and no one even (laughs) and none of us even considered or thought about it at the time. It was just like it it was accidental. And I think I talked about this in the show, but the kid who initially had the role, oh yeah, uh, was Portuguese, darker skin, dark hair, and was doing an impression of one of his father's clients who was Middle Eastern, Mm -hmm. which not not say was more appropriate, but it was certainly. Not as inappropriate as very white Steve doing it. And then when I got the role after he quit, they just wanted me to keep doing it that way. Yeah. (laughs) And I did not have enough wherewithal or substance as a performer to say, no, that didn't sound right. (laughs) And us, you know, or even being in the cultural zeitgeist at the time, what was it, 2003, 2004, to where we would 
realize that's a big thing that we should not be doing. And it's funny because just recently, my other friend, Stephen, a different Stephen uh, here, I live with here in Orlando, he was offered the part of Ali Hackam for a, um, a production here. And he asked me about the character because he knew I was in Oklahoma and he's never seen the movie or anything like that. And mm-hmm. um, but he's um, Puerto Rican and he's got fairly olive colored skin and dark hair. And, and like so he's like, I'm not, you know, Middle Eastern, but it's, at least he's a brown person playing that role, you know, as opposed to That's true and very so I, white Steve. Yeah, exactly. So this very brown Steve could play that role and it'd be OK and it would feel a little less weird, but it's still weird just because he's being Middle Eastern and not puerto rican but you know it's it's a little yeah. better but we didn't know well, any I mean, better we were kids whenever you see white guys play that role they're all, they always play it as like a new york sleaze like yeah yeah i'm ali hack i'm here to sell you some stuff yeah like, there's works. a reason they do that <laughs> exactly because it's not culturally inappropriate yeah i'm from like persia or whatever <laughs> yeah some someplace over there you know it's fine uh, <laughs> um, uh and the other one that i can think of and this one actually directly involves you mm-hmm. was uh the father in miracle worker Oh yeah, that's I mean, that's do we both play him? I can't remember. No, that was one of the few times that you and I were like legitimately head to head for oh, a role. Yeah. And I remember uh you you ultimately got the part, but I remember DeWoody sitting me down. Mm. Cuz I had a hell of an audition. Like uh, that was the type of role that I got a lot. Yeah. And I remember him sitting me down him saying, "Look, you've had a bunch of roles like this." Jarman has not, and he's not going to get the chance to play this kind of role again for years. That's true. Till I get to it's be that gonna, age. Right, right. It's going to benefit him more to have this experience. I basically I was, played Helen. Was, I played Helen Keller's father. That's the yeah. miracle worker. Uh, and I was pissed, but I was at least appreciative that DeWoody shot straight with me. Yeah. He was like, you could do this role and you would be fine. Let's give Jarman this opportunity because you've done this a thousand times already. <laughs> the angry old man. <laughs> and so I ended up being a doctor who had like a handful of lines at the beginning and then assistant stage managing for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which that. basically meant I had to clean up all the food from the food fight scene every night. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> I was terrible. Oh, and that's the famous. And we had a two different casts of the miracle worker and Helen Keller's. We had two of them playing different times. Uh, my good friend Whitney, who is my DM in one of my uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons groups to this day, she was in that play with us. So, uh, yeah, shout out to yeah. Whitney. And um, I think we basically double cast because we had two two girls that could play Helen Keller, and it was a v- very, very physical show. Yeah. A lot of wrestling and fighting, and I think that they were literally worried about them like hurting themselves and doing it, it too many far. times. Yeah. Right. And I guess I'm moving on to some of the aspects of being a theater kid was like backstage and stuff. We have the dichotomy that exists in most theaters, which is techies versus actors. And there became these like two kind of stratas where sometimes it would mix. But a lot of times they try to play up the fact that techies don't hang out with actors or actors don't know how to do what we do. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so did you experience that at all when you're doing that or do you kind of do a little bit of both? Um, I didn't do really any tech stuff. In high school, I think I did just enough tech to get the credit I needed for uh, to get an international thespian society. Right. Because I remember there was like a point system. You had to do a little bit of everything to get in. Where yeah. like if you had a role as an extra, you got X amount of points. If you were a principal, you had X amount of points. And then certain backstage roles had more points associated with it. And you had to have X amount of points to qualify. Right. 
And I think by the end of freshman year, I like had just enough. And I think I did like two weekends of set building help to qualify my backstage, my single backstage point I had to have. Cause you couldn't just be on stage. You couldn't just be backstage. I think I did a, a lot of the front of house stuff for my backstage credit, like working the box office or doing programs or something like that. Cause I don't remember barely doing any backstage stuff at all. <laughs> yeah. I remember going in on weekends to help a kid named Tommy, who was like the one tech kid who knew how to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Like flats together. Oh man. And that brings me to my next point. If like now be doing theater myself, local theater, community theater, how helpful it was that we had all these parents helping out in high school uh, because now we don't have those resources at all in community theater because it's like there's no parents putting their money and effort and time and skills to help out with the sets and painting and, um, you know, funding. And so when you have none of that, you realize how much you miss that from being in a high school where you're so protected and and helped at every turn. And our parents helped like my dad helped with stuff. Uh, your dad helped like crazy. Oh yeah, my dad did a lot of the set build and weekend painting and that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember your dad did a lot of the fundraising kind of stuff. Yeah, he would sell, get selling ads in programs and that kind of thing. He would like a uh, source costumes and props from people sometimes, and like yeah, that kind of thing. So he was resourceful in that way. <laughs> uh, all right, what what do you think is was your worst role? My worst role, I would uh, if it were in high school. It'd probably be Rudolph, the uh, um, he's the the mater d of the oh, hotel in Hello, Dolly. in Hello Dolly. Now it's a great role, not you nothing great in that. You what were was, you were over the top. That was great. Well, the problem is, I looking back now, I'm like I could have done much better, and I just think I was overwhelmed by just everything going on, and I was kind of upset that I didn't have any singing number because I wanted to sing something. He doesn't sing anything in that play, and I, also my German accent was not good. Uh, so, <laughs> and didn't you have a fake nose and mustache? I did. That didn't make things any easier. <laughs> right, right. So that was probably my my worst role. Um, well, actually, no. Yeah, but I don't know you carried that whole thing because the waiters were such a nightmare. Oh, we had to do all this choreography with them running around. I remember the waiters getting screamed at more than any other portion of that show. <laughs> those poor guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's poor guy just any other portion just being yelled at <laughs> no over there god damn it don't drop that oh uh, but i was inside son of a gun <laughs> but i would say my worst uh role ever was just like a miscast role i did for um the fringe festival in 2014 i think it was i played a new york firefighter and if you know me well or listen to this podcast long enough, I'm not the type. It's just not me. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to do the accent, which came out more like a uh, like a New Jersey grandma or something. Uh, yeah, I new- can see that. And so it did not come out well. Um, and no one came to see the play. It got badly reviewed. And so I'm like, oh, God, that, thank God that's over because <laughs> that was my worst role. What about you? Uh, for me, I got cat- uh, the skin of our teeth which was the second show freshman year before you were even involved in the theater. Mm. And I went from being considered for like the lead role to getting this like small announcer role that literally opened the show. And I remember Haskett wanted me to do a Howard Cosell impression, which I had no reference to. (laughs) So I did like a half impression of that. And then he made it so that I came out on stage in my boxers what for basically a bit so the i came out i was behind a podium 
did the whole intro that basically like describes the show and, and what you're about to see kind of stuff. And then at the end, I was supposed to step out from behind the podium and reveal that I was wearing just wearing boxers. Ah. And it was like looking back down, like what a cheap laugh and a terrible bit <laughs> that was clearly made to put a chuckle into people's mouths before this like very not chuckle worthy show. So it was like a serious show. Kind of. <laughs> it was it was like, I don't know. It's a concept show. They're doing it at the local theater here actually soon. I'm like, uh, well, yeah, that's like a high yeah, school it's, play. It's about a family that re- represents like humanity through all time. Oh. And in the first act, they put uh, like a dinosaur and a mammoth out to die in the cold because the ice age is coming. Hmm. Like it's that kind. It's like a concept show. Weird. Yes. Weird <laughs> indeed. Uh, and then the other one was um, actually Harvey, which you were in. Uh, I played like the sanitarium attendant. I can't remember his name. even. Yeah. But the big dumb brute guy. <laughs> and like, I didn't connect with the role. I did not care about it. And I got the main, that was one of the shows that was double cast. And the other guy should have just been the cast. Like <laughs> I look back now, I go, he did much better than me. He deserved to be main cast, not secondary. And he should have just had the whole thing. Because he was a kind of a big dumb guy, right? <laughs> or, yeah, Brennan, Brennan something. I can't remember his he's name. He's good at playing I it. I don't think he did another theater thing, but he was in that because I think he was in like one of Haskett's acting classes as an elective or something. Right. Um, but he should have been the main cast. He should have been the only cast. He did great. And I was sort of the hanger on that kind of somehow got the main part that got like the main nights. Because you're charismatic. <laughs> I think that Haskett wanted me to keep me around. I think that's what it came down to. Yeah. And I'm glad you were in it because, you know, I, that was my first play and you got me to come audition for it. And so the fact if you weren't in it, I would be like, no, nobody there, basically. <laughs> so That's true. And uh, I end up, you know, meeting my future girlfriend there and changing my whole life and becoming theater person. And now I'm still acting. It's my job today. And so that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't got me audition for that damn play. <laughs> so what what else do you, do you remember about International Thespian Society? Um, surprisingly little, but, uh, I started off, I think as the, um, historian and then I became the president eventually at senior year, I was thespian president, which I have very little recollection of. I don't know why. Um, but the biggest thing was, I, I can tell you exactly why we'll get into it in a minute. Okay. The biggest thing was the, the great time going to the States competition, which was in Tampa, uh, which is, uh, about a couple hours drive from us here in Orlando. And we got to stay in a hotel and get to perform and compete at the competition and hang out with our friends and be on a field trip basically. And it was just, just a great time in theater with your friends and being just surrounded by theater as a teenager, um, which I can only do now if I go to like the fringe festival or something. So it was, it was a great time. What about you? Uh, so I remember the first time I auditioned to like go and like compete and I wanted to do solo musical. And so I did bring him home from the Miz, which oh, was like yeah. in my range, which brings us back to like, there are so few songs just in a mid range. That thing's super high. Are you kidding me? Bring him home at the end. There's like one note. I guess it goes um, falsetto. So it's not crazy. Yeah. And you get to go nice and light and gentle with it. And I remember I didn't get it because there's this guy. I can't remember. I, th- well, I think we called him Chet friendly before. <laughs> Sounds who was, who was very, who was very talented. But I remember he auditioned with uh, one song, Glory, from Rent. 
Mm. And I remember like he was unprepared. He didn't have music for it. He forgot the words in multiple places, like just flat out forgot lyrics. And he somehow still got the spot because we could only send X amount of people in every category. Yeah. And then it came back that, that you could only send performers in like up a maximum of two or three categories, something like that. And he was so talented. He was already in all these other categories. So he had to drop one. So he dropped solo musical. So I got his solo musical spot after being rejected. Oh gosh. And I remember, I remember Haskett coming to me and he's like, I don't want you to bring him home. I went, Oh, okay. But that's what I auditioned with. Uh, and he's like, he's like, uh, you know, the, the show man, La Macho? And I went, no. <laughs> and he's like, there's this great character, Sancho Panza. Yeah. I, I remember this. Sings this song. I like him. And I, I want you to do that. And I had no recollection. I'd never seen the show. I had no idea what this <laughs> character was. No, I'd never heard the song before. Found a recording of it, but couldn't find sheet music for it. So ended up having to like pay our old piano teacher to come up with a score for it. Oh, geez. <laughs> Learn this song and then go. And I lose my voice like two days before a competition. It's a super high song. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> I like him. Um, and so I just bought, it was terrible. It was terrible through and through. I didn't care about the song. I didn't choose the song. And then I had to perform it sick. I just remember being so over it. So, and, and after, after being rejected from this category. <laughs> oh yeah. All the drama leading up to it. I remember you singing that song and practicing it. I do remember that now. That's yeah. Funny. I did it in like a character voice. Cause that's the only way I could hit those notes at the time too. <laughs> And why were you going to say, I, I don't remember much of uh, thespians. <laughs> so, so here's, so you said like you became present. You don't remember how I remember exactly how. <laughs> okay. So I was my, my freshman year, the only freshman to get accepted to thespians. And I became treasurer that next year. And then that year we rewrote, um, we rewrote like the thespian bylaws basically. Mm-hmm. And so the next year I became the parliamentarian which was like making sure that everything we did was within thespian bylaws. And I had been an officer for two years. And so I really wanted to be president. Like for me, that was like, that's my senior year. Mm-hmm. I'll be president. And I basically remember I dated a bunch of girls and ended up effectively having a falling out with the department because of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what happened. Uh, I became very unpopular because of all the girls I dated. Uh, <laughs> 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 that's what happened. Um, and somebody who we'll, we'll call, we'll call KK mm-hmm. was jockeying for president. And KK at that time was a partier and a drinker mm. and gave thespians kind of a bad name. I remember that we had parents that wouldn't let their kids come to cast parties because we had gained this reputation oh. that neither you or I were big fans of. Next, we didn't drink or anything. And she was kind of one of the front runners of this reputation. Uh huh. And so I knew that, that if I ran against her, she would win because I'd had this falling out and she was popular, but I knew that she would be bad for thespians. Right. She just would. So I remember I talked you into it and I threw all my backing behind getting you president. Because <laughs> I probably would have been too distracted or lazy to, to sort, do of, to my sort of spite her. But it, but I remember both and I were very much like, if she's going to be president, we're going to we're never going to dish this reputation. Hmm. And I remember you became we got we got you elected. You became president. And then you and I took like a very that next year took a very hard line 
against like the drinking and alcohol at cast parties and underage drinking aspect that had kind of been following the department. Yeah, for a couple of years. We never really point. did any of that. We had soda no. at our parties <laughs> at that but point. I remember that, so, so not say I got you elected, but once I realized I could not win, <laughs> I pivoted to like her becoming president would be really bad for thespians. See, that's where my my uh, serial monogamy helped me out because I would just be in like one relationship for like two years, and then just whereas you were dating like crazy, <laughs> just a thousand, just a thousand women. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I would have a seven month relationship then a year long relationship. And that was done. That was the high school's over. That was it. <laughs> so yeah, so that, that's how German became president because <laughs> I threw all of my backing behind him. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I still have uh, some paperwork and stuff that has my name on it as president and stuff. And we actually found Steve found an old like GeoCity style website from our previous president. Her name was Tyler King. She was she was great. Um and it had like our names on it from like our first year we were in thespians and stuff. And it's just, it's yeah, crazy man. to see that online and sold like way back machine kind of thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yes, that's, that's how Jeremy became president. <laughs> <laughs> and we had award ceremonies, which were so much fun. And it was just, and, and that led into me going into college where I just, that was, I was a film major, but my whole after school activity was still drama. Like it was in high school. I did this theater troupe for non theater majors at Boston university. And that was all my friends were in that we were in plays. We put them all together ourselves. I got to direct plays finally for the first time. And, um, where Steven went to school for theater and then you were experiencing it kind of after school and in school. So kind of a different oh, yeah. experience. That was nonstop. I did 11. I acted in, I did more than I did tech stuff, but I uh, acted in 11 productions through college. That's crazy. It was just constant. Just constant. Um, but, but yeah, college, college is where I, I felt like I really actually started acting. Yeah. <laughs> like where I felt like I was actually connecting with the character instead of like doing some impression kind of basically. Yeah. And it took me taking a few acting classes in college and I actually got an acting coach for a brief period of time when I was trying to audition for grad schools and he was like helping me with stuff. And yeah, I remember I can't remember the exact point, but I started remembering having moments on stage where like, oh, I'm actually connecting with this person and having an actual moment. We're not just, you know, saying our lines in this way where it looks like I'm saying it appropriately. We're actually like having a conversation on that stage. And that, that's a cool feeling that finally happens because it's, it's different. But Oh, yeah. When you find like you feel like you're actually in a moment and reacting and pushing against other actors as opposed to like. I say this line angry now. <laughs> yeah. And that's what upsets <laughs> me so much is that one of my dream roles, I didn't know it was going to be a dream role, but it was amazing that I got it was for Dangerous Liaison. They recently did here in like community theater. I played, um, I can't remember his name now, uh, starts with the V, but he's like the John Malkovich plays him in the movie. He's this like evil bastard mm -hmm. of a character. He seduces all these women. Um, I was so excited to get the role. First of all, the pandemic hit, so we had to wear masks and we couldn't kiss each other. So basically the whole play I was supposed to be making out with different women the entire play, but I couldn't do that because of the pandemic. So that kind right. of sucked. But, um, but on top of that, it was such a fantastic role. And you could just chew the scenery with this guy. So evil and charismatic. And, but there were so many lines and they were fast tracking this production over like a month and a half. And so we had no time to learn our lines before we were already doing blocking. And so me and this other lead actress, she had possibly even more lines than I did. I was almost on the entire script. I, I was learning lines every day, ignoring work. I was like, you know, making less money because of it. And it just sucked because that would have been such a great opportunity to have these great moments on stage with monologues and with characters. And since we couldn't have time to learn the lines, we were just barely 
connecting on stage, just trying to get the, the lines out. And when there was a reviewer from the Orlando Sentinel, the paper here in town at the show, we had completely forgot our lines on set on stage and had to just I just left. <laughs> we just moved on to the next scene because she couldn't remember her next line. I couldn't remember a cue line to give her. So he's like, well, hope he doesn't notice that. <laughs> so we got very mediocre reviews um, in the paper. And I was just like, oh, damn it. <laughs> it's my first sh show reviewed <laughs> by actual paper, too. I was like, oh, and that has to happen. So, yeah, there's some disappointments at theater as well. But mostly it's it's an enjoyable experience. Do you think you'll ever do theater again? I don't know. I always like to say yes, but at this point, I've been away for a decade. It sounds weird to say, but I've been away for a decade, and it's hard for me to imagine like getting back into memorizing lines or a cold reading. Well, I'd say because once your kids are older you, and they're more self-sufficient, I'd say you could probably be doing rehearsals again and stuff. You know, I could see you doing yeah. it. But now I, I have other outlets, you know, like a lot of that has spilled over into my um, like dungeon mastering and RPG playing. Yeah. And I and as I get more comfortable with that medium, I, I lean more into characters and yeah. So you're still keeping the instruments. Have fun, good. more fun. Re, yeah, like my my new character Lorenzo the Magnificent is like is kind of almost a character I did in college uh, from a show you saw actually, The Crucible. Oh yeah, where I played Danforth, the like mean, bitter old bastard prosecutor judge. <laughs> uh, that voice that uh, down here is now Lorenzo the Magnificent. Surely you've heard of me. If you haven't, you will. <laughs> so, uh, so I've been using that as my outlet sort of for that. Oh, yeah. And, and then for... all, all the stuff I learned from theater in school as far as character development and story arcs and play script analysis and classic tropes and archetypes, like all that has come back in my DMing tenfold. It's given me such a leg up. And I think other players in the games really enjoy because I do that, try to do most of that with my characters as well in D&D. And we end up probably doing a lot more of that than other people are doing in the game. And they seem to really get taken into it more if you do the characters and you kind of make a backstory and act it out. Um, so even if they're not doing it, they like that you're doing it. So it makes the game more fun. Uh, in general. One, of, one of my improv, the people that taught me improv when I was training uh, before I went out with that troop in, in Seattle, uh, a guy named Solomon, who's super super charismatic little guy, but he's like, people always want, worry about like, how do you make a character? How do you make a character? And his advice is like, pick a voice. <laughs> if you pick a voice, you will just be that character. You'll know what the choices they will make. If you start talking like a nerd, you know exactly what you're going to. Oh, that sounds dangerous. I don't know. I should probably get my calculator, take a look. But if you start talking like an old man, oh, I remember <laughs> like you can, it, if you just pick a voice, you will become that character, you will know what they're going to say because you have this voice. Yeah. And come to think of, it, I think every character I've ever made has had a completely different voice for D and D like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it helps. Like I'm, I think Steve, you sent me over this thing that's actually helped my voice acting uh, as well. A uh, hundred different voices thing. Yeah. There's a video uh, people should watch online. It's basically the guy telling you how to do a hundred different voices and not, changing that much there's different combinations of things you can do you can slow down your speech you can use different parts of your throat you can um add add little cade different cadences to your voice lower higher it um, make it more breathy make it more solid or you know gravelly and and today i was using that in one of the books i'm doing right now i had to play a arabic man i had to play a large black man without being offensive and then i had to play a seductive sounding demon 
Um, and then I also had to play a demon prince. And so I'm playing all these guys in this one book. Um, and I have to make sure I do it appropriately and make it sound right, but also make them all sound different. And it's even harder when I'm playing five white guys in a book and I make them all sound different. And you had to look at their characters and then where you place them in your throat and where you place them in your mouth. And, and like the guy says, slow down for some people, speed up for other people. Um, and it's just, you know, make it sound, make them differentiated when you're doing an audio book, you have to make sure they all sound different. Otherwise like people get lost when they're hearing it. Like who's talking now? I have no idea who this is. So it's, it's theater definitely helped me with that. And you know, you keep, you keep growing as you grow, get older. That's right. Still bring it into our lives. The only time that I can say that it, <laughs> I will say this, uh, so in college, my final production was You Can't Take It With You, which was also my final production in high school. Oh, yeah. And in high school, I played the grandfather and you played the Russian ballet instructor, Kalenkov. That's right. And then when we got to it, I was actually directing one acts out of the same casting pool as a student director. And so uh, the director of You Can't Take It With You looked at me and I was like, I don't want to be grandpa again. <laughs> I did that. And I know that I'm probably a good fit for it because I'm me. Um, and you always cast me as the old guy, but I don't want to be. And so I ended up being Kalenkov. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and my You Can't Take It With You was basically me doing an impression of my memory of how Jarman did Kalenkov. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, my Pavlova. <laughs> oh, Grandpa. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. But, but that was the one time in college where I could genuinely say, like, I was just doing an impression of how I remember Jarman doing it. <laughs> and see a Russian accent I could do in high school. I could not do a German accent. <laughs> I got an Irene Ryan's nomination for that which is like the the college version of like thespian society oh very where, nice where i got two in college i got two irene ryan's nominations well i'm glad i could help you get that nomination that's right <laughs> and the other one was for um the crucible that other role that you saw ah, yes that's, i did like that a lot that's where i saw steve I was like oh he's become a real actor now good for him <laughs> that was the first that was the first role where i can genuinely say like i was playing someone completely different from myself and i just went for it yeah, I was forgetting that it was Steven on stage finally. Even to the point where like my department chair really didn't like how big I was taking it, but I was like, whatever, dude. Because my voice <laughs> was it. big. I had the crutchy arm, mm -hmm. like the the pulled up arm. Because I remember I was modeling it after Bob Dole. <laughs> yeah. I'm Bob um, Dole. I'm Bob. He just passed away. I know. That's I thought crazy. he died a long time ago. <laughs> I think a lot of us did. <laughs> uh long life it's only appropriate that him and norm went the same year oh uh, that's Rest true in peace norm that's true well, go figure <laughs> and now now i'm gonna offer i'm gonna say like a lament and apology so to speak hmm. here at the end something that i i credit a lot of my 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 high school success and sort of what gave me the confidence to go into theater then in college uh but the fact is is that there is this guy named Josh who was a year, a year senior to me also had, had a great voice, a great gravelly voice, had an older look to his face and was good friends with people that had lead roles in some shows and had really good chemistry with them. And I got roles over him, him and I competed a lot and it wasn't because I was better. It was because I was taller. Hmm. And so so, Josh, I know you're not listening to this wherever you are, but just know that looking back in hindsight, I may have been really cocky about it at the time because who's not when you're in high school, but you would have been just as good, if not better, in these roles. And I fully admit 
that you got overlooked for me because I was taller. That can happen. That's why they and say only, all of our presidents that, are over like six feet tall because tall people mm-hmm. just get more stuff. <laughs> and not only that, the 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 female that was like one of Josh's best friends ended up being the lead in two of the shows I'm thinking of. They had great chemistry. There is no reason he shouldn't have been in these roles, and he really only didn't get them because because I was six feet tall. Now I remember who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, talented dude, super talented dude, and I fully admit that his talent was at the time greater than mine. And if he had been four inches taller, he would have gotten a lot of the roles that I got. I think I saw he's in real estate now or something. So he's doing okay. So Josh, this is my apology and lament. <laughs> you deserved more and only missed out because of height. Truthfully. Last thing I probably say is that there was a weird feeling I always got as an outsider um, from a lot of both in high school and in college, I never, I had, this is imposter syndrome, I guess, when I got these lead roles and stuff, because I was new to it, but also especially when we had these chorus productions like Oklahoma. And then when I was in Chicago in college, the same exact thing happened where everyone, I feel like everyone was looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? And why is he getting this role? Like he doesn't even know us. He's not in our cliques. He, why is he getting these roles? And so as a consequence, like all of Oklahoma, all of Chicago in college, like I just didn't talk to anybody in the cast. Like, I talked to you when we were in Oklahoma and like maybe our buddy Taylor and a couple others, but like everyone else just looked at me with disdain. Uh, my, my lead actress with me, uh, we'll call her, um, Chrissy. Uh, she just hated being on stage with me and we had to kiss each other and sing, you know, um, a song together. And after we kissed, she would like wipe her mouth off backstage and like, say, ugh, ugh, and just like make all these faces. And I was just like, man, I'm glad I like this so much because otherwise I don't like the people at all. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the, the girl I acted opposite of that show was good friends with Chrissy. Yes. Uh, and we also had to kiss and she also hated it and made it very well known. Yeah, didn't even try to hide that it or be she professional. Hated it, and it's just frustrating. So the same thing happened to me in college and in Chicago, and I just had all these dirty looks throughout the whole thing because, like, who is this person? Why is he here? And it's just like, and I was like, well, I'm gonna go in here and have fun on stage and just go home afterwards because that's where my fun is. That's where my 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 love is right there. And then I'm just like, go back. So that happens a lot. But I mean, it's still that way. This is day. There's very clicky theater in general. That's something about being a theater kid is you find out there's clicks that form. Um, they're very dramatic people. Often you'll often hear the term. I'll never date an actor again. Uh, there's a reason a, for that. A lot of big personalities. <laughs> a lot of because big that's what it takes really to make it in the profession. That's true. You do need big personalities confidence. and the confidence to get over lots of rejection. Yes. And if you don't, yeah. then you become a diva basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, theater has treated us well. And skills we take on in life and will never really leave us. Yeah. And it's influenced pretty much everything we've done since. And that wraps up this episode of the Sappy Crap Podcast. That's right. Join us next time when we talk about something so profound that we don't even know what it is yet. Oh, we know some of what it is. I'm just kidding. We actually know what it is this time. We actually know. (laughs) What are we we doing next time, Steve? Uh, Next time is going to be, is it death? Is that the next one? I think I think death might be the next one. Yes, we are covering death next time, guys. It's going to get heavy and rough and maybe we'll we'll make some jokes, but it's you know, it's a tough subject. Yeah, it's going to be one of our tougher ones. And I think uh, so. We haven't really talked to you guys about this. Uh, We decided that sappy crap is going to kind of come to a natural end. That's right. Relatively soon. I think we're going to make it to episode 40 is our goal. Uh, So we're going to do a couple wrap up topics. 
And then I think we've told the stories that we're going to tell. Yeah. And it's not that we're done podcasting or something or like that's just that sappy crap had a purpose. It's kind of like we did a series that had four seasons and we knew it was going to end after that. So we planned everything out. So it's kind of like that. But we've realized we've kind of talked out our, our, our childhood, our nostalgia living out in the 90s and growing up together uh, in Central Florida. And uh, there's just not much more we could go on uh, without kind of really reaching uh, for topics. And but we feel like we've covered things that are important to us. So these last three episodes are going to be very important ones, and you should listen to all of them because they're they're big ones. That's right. So join us next time for death. Uh, and join us for, ne- for the next couple of sappy craps while they're still here. That's right. And thanks for joining us for this delightful stumble down memory lane. And don't forget the good old days weren't always that good. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>